This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selkie, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, and we are in season three entitled Lead to Win. And today I am so excited to bring on our guest, Mr. Jason Lippert, the CEO of Lippert Components, because he is going to talk about what it truly means to lead to win in our organizations, in our communities, and in our families. Before I introduce Jason, I just want to give a brief overview of the Selking Performance Group. So at Selking Performance Group, we are dedicated to helping individuals, teams, and organizations understand and leverage the power of mindset and leadership to unleash performance excellence and drive sustainable results. We work with individuals from the locker room to the boardroom, so from the sports space to the business space, again, tapping into the human potential that we have at the individual mindset level and at the system level through leadership. And so that's really our main areas of emphasis. And again, our guest today, Jason Lippert, has done an incredible job at elevating the leadership level in and throughout his organization by starting to shift the mindset about what it means to truly be a leader. I want to give you a brief bio of Jason. So Jason Lippert is third generation leader of Lippert Components, an LCI industry, a publicly traded company. Throughout his 24 years with the company, he's served in many capacities. Since 2003, Jason has been the CEO of LCI and has had an intense focus on building strong teams, bettering our communities, and growing the company significantly with new product innovations. Jason has successfully built upon the strong foundation laid by his father and grandfather before him, transforming a steel roofing business in Alma, Michigan into a thriving international supplier of components to the mobile recreational and mobile commercial vehicle industries. LCI is 11,000 team members strong and growing at an incredible rate, growing both at a business level and at an internal growth and development of their people level. So again, when we talk about mindset and leadership, we're looking at individuals and unleashing the power of the human potential through thinking right with everything that we do. And then again, from a leadership perspective, looking at building great systems and equipping leaders through different skills and behaviors that we know can help people deliver their best on a more consistent basis. I'd love for you to check out our website, www.selkingperformance.com and follow us on Twitter at Champ Mindsets. If you've got any thoughts while you're listening to this podcast, please make sure you tweet them out so that you can remember them and we can know that you're you're listening and retweet you as well. Um, But if you have any questions or have any feedback on what you're about to hear, please reach out to me directly, amber at selkingperformance.com and and potentially even look at what, what it might mean for us to partner together on unleashing this performance within your own teams. 
So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's move into speaking with our guest, Mr. Jason Lippert. Welcome, welcome. I am excited to dive in with you today talking about empowering individuals to deliver excellence. Um, Jason, I want to start with just share about the general evolution of your company, but more specifically, the evolution of your leadership philosophies. Sure. So thanks for having me again. Um, So first off with uh, kind of the evolution of our company, I would say that, you know, we've always been a growth company. Um, you know, ever, ever since I can remember, we've been a, a 15 to 20% growth company a year. So that presents different challenges uh, in the business world and, and growing teams and growing the business and what uh, a company that maybe stays five or $10 million and maybe fluctuates a little bit over the course of a decade or so. But over the last 15 to 20 years, it's been a 15 to 20% growth company. And wow. the challenges there are, you know, you, you outgrow you outgrow people fast sometimes. You, you get ahead of them. So, you know, the communication and leadership is, you know, extremely important when you're growing because otherwise you're just assuming people are going to follow the lead of a couple people. Right. Um, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we just used to be kind of a get-or-done company. It was whatever it took. Uh, we left a, a wake of bodies in the, in the, behind us sometimes just to get through whatever we were going through. Uh, I remember sleeping at the facilities with uh, some of the other leaders in our company as we were building new facilities, growing facilities, and it was just whatever it took to get it done. Right. Uh, but that had consequences, and uh, it wasn't you know till about five years ago we realized what consequences that was having on families and and our people and and just their their day to day life that wasn't inside the company. So talk about what you were seeing in um, terms of the impact on your people. Well, you know, it, when you have a whatever it takes to get it done type of mentality, uh, it meant a lot of time at the business. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of people involved at the top level of our company uh, that spent a lot of time in the business, and that ma- meant time away from their families. Right. So as we all started to get old, I was in my 20s then, so, you know, part of it was just lack of understanding, lack of maturity, not having a family and understanding that part of it to when I got a family, I, I kind of stood back myself and said, you know, we're, there's, a, there's a lot of people, most people in our company have families. Uh, if I'm not getting time with mine, they're not getting time with theirs. So we kind of had to, you know, uh, reconstruct the balance a little bit. And so, you know, as, as your leadership philosophy then continued to evolve through your own just general maturity, mm-hmm. um, what were some of the things that weren't important to you maybe previously that suddenly became important? Obviously family. And, mm-hmm. and just keep fleshing that out a little bit mm-hmm. for us. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the focus was on growth. So the focus was on numbers. The focus was on, you know, how many customers we can get. Uh, when we got into the RV business, which is our first big expansion, um, there was a lot. We, we were an unknown. We were the new kid on the block. Nobody knew who we were. Uh, we had zero presence in the industry and the business. And uh, it was exciting because every day we were meeting new people. We were meeting new customers. We were building some new products. Uh, so the focus was largely on numbers and growth and, and kind of vision of, you know, what we saw this thing growing into uh, down the road. Um, and, and that just took the focus more or less off the people. People were important, and I think that we were, we were a good company to work for, but uh, we just ran really, really hard. And that, like I said, it had its consequences. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when you think of the concept then of empower individuals to deliver excellence, what does that mean to you as the CEO? So differently from the culture and the mentality I just described, today we're more in that mindset of, okay, to, to empower individuals to, to be their best and get the most out of them and get the best out of them so that the company's happy and the individuals are happy, uh, you've got you've to invest. Um, you got to invest in the individuals. A, a passing conversation or a, a quick meeting—that's uh, uh, what most companies do, but it's not—it's not good enough. So, you know, between our our HR resources, our leadership resources, our other administrative resources, we've really put together resources that um, most companies don't have, so that we can pour into our people and really, uh, really empower them to the full meaning of the word and not just uh, not just have a, a conversation that might motivate them for the moment uh, or or set them on a new course or a new direction without a whole lot of uh, walking beside them. And, and leadership, you know, as, as we often say, it's a it's a long journey. You're never there. There's no destination. You never arrive. There's always growth and, and learning. And uh, so we've hired, you know, uh, one of the things we've done is hired leadership personnel, wow. uh, leadership team. We've got 13 today and looking to hire more that are strictly focused on, on helping people discover where they're at in their journey of leadership, what leadership looks like, what it means, and then what their next steps are so that they can, you know, they can grow there. Wow. That is, that is impressive. 13 leadership coaches on staff in your organization. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so what does their role look like then in your company? So, you know, take backing up a step and looking at what most other companies do, uh, you know, in manufacturing, you've got a, you know, an owner or a president uh, or a, a general manager, and then you've got plant manager and, you know, assistants and plant staff uh, around the, the manufacturing management team. And typically they're the ones in most companies that are responsible for the, the, the coaching if it, if it ever really even happens. <laughs> right. Um, you know, for me, coaching, you've got to be able to spend real time with somebody. You've got to uh, be able to sit down and have constructive, meaningful conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, off the shop floor. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what our leadership coaches do. Their, you know, their sole purpose is to pour into people, figure out where they're at, help them, help give them uh, an understanding about what leadership means. And especially in manufacturing where, you know, it's been decades of, you know, some pretty poor work cultures, pretty poor behaviors, uh, and uh, just more supervisor boss mentality. Uh, and whip your people to get what they want versus lead and lead well. Uh, it's teaching people for the first time in a lot of cases what that means. What what results have you seen from that? So as you you know you've invested in this leadership team who are out there and you've empowered them to empower the supervisors or team leaders in your organization. What what impact have you seen on results from that? Right. So. Um, you know, with most companies, again, that that general manager or plant manager may or may not decide to pour into that that individual either on the front lines of the workforce and uh, or or as a, a group leader in the workforce, and you know they just get limited time there. And we've got plants that have, you know, 800 to 1,000 employees. Uh, some of our facilities. So when you talk about the top person or the top two people, how do you have time to really spend and pour in without neglecting the rest of the duties of the business? So mm -hmm. these leadership coaches, they're, they're able to, aside from whatever time the, the general managers, plant managers, and their manufacturing staffs may or may not have, they've got all their time dedicated to pouring into people. And that's a resource, that's a resource I was referring to that I think most companies don't have. So the results, you know, the results have really been centered around uh, people being happier, uh, pe people ultimately staying longer, 
And, uh, you know, our retention gets higher, our attrition gets lower, and, and, and the engagement piece is the other part of it. We get people that, yeah, as they're staying, they're more engaged with the business. They're not coming into work thinking, oh, this is terrible, I'm not having fun, I don't feel connected to my purpose, I've, I've got to look for another job. So they go into work doing a job thinking about what their next job is going to be. So, you know, attrition, our attrition numbers have come way down. Uh, and we just feel that if people are staying longer and they're engaged in the business, uh, quality goes up. You know, the, the team member that's been around for two or three years is going to have way better quality uh, than the team member that cycles in and out every 30 days. How do you get consistent quality in your product, which is probably the most important thing to our business? Right. We always try to manage quality. But what we figured out is if we manage uh, the attrition and get people staying longer, the quality gets better on its own, and we get more mature in, in the quality realm. Uh, safety is the same way. Efficiency is the same way. So if you look at just those three metrics, quality, safety, and efficiency, attrition really drives how good you're performing in those areas, which are really the key metrics you know, that drive the financials in your in a business. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think a lot of times, you know, people look at the lagging indicators, aka the quality numbers, the efficiency mm -hmm. numbers, the attrition numbers. That's a lagging indicator. What's the leading indicator exactly. of that? The attrition. Yeah. So before we talk a little bit more about the attrition, um, Jason and I had an opportunity to have a conversation a couple weeks ago. And be it that I am teaching strategic HR management now, I have to ask you about this question because it made me mm -hmm. it made me chuckle a little bit when when we were chatting. But so share about your company's transitioning transition to hiring a strategic HR business part partner. Um, well, at the risk of blowing my VP of HR's head way up, um, <laughs> it's okay. And, and HR and people he, don't get yeah. that enough. <laughs> he, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, um, so I think you know, again, taking a step back, you got to look at the industry. How you know our industry? I think for the most part, you, you look at the HR leads and all the companies in our core businesses and it's you know kind of an old school manufacturing environment uh, where things have been done the same way for a long time and you look at the hr staffs around the industry and they're predominantly administrative mm -hmm. they're probably growing from where they were 10 years ago but you know there's still a heavy focus on administration um, you know, I, I owe a lot of the credit to our board of directors who, you know, kind of tap us on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, if you're going to continue to grow and go to a billion, two billion, wherever you're going, uh, it's, it's time to have a, a strategic partner in the business on the HR side and not just administrative professionals that help facilitate a lot of the, the, the important stuff in the business um, for, for our team members, but, uh, but lean toward more strategic, you know, a partnership with uh, with an HR professional, a true HR professional. So we did a lot of digging and researching and, and interviewing, and and we landed on somebody that uh, had come from some very big companies and had the professional background that our industry didn't have. And that's one of the other things our industry is not really good at doing. If they need somebody, they go go to another company in the industry to find it. Well, if if nobody's being progressive, then you're going to get more of the same. Absolutely. Uh, so you know, we went outside and and. Uh, uh, Nick has not only brought a lot of great concepts uh, to the organization in terms of strategic thinking from a uh, human resource perspective, but also built a great team and helped bolster our teams to assist uh, our leadership teams, our manufacturing uh, teams in the plant so that, you know, the manufacturing guys and gals can focus on manufacturing, the leadership can focus on, you know, teaching leadership and, and uh, HR can work on, you know, really building people up and carrying out a lot of the strategies that, that, that focus around people, which at this point in time is a lot of different strategies. So talk about some of those, some of those strategies. I think that, you know, when you, uh, 
you know, the HR business partner brought this idea of attrition to you. Is that correct? Yes. And so, so what was that dialogue with him like? And what were the next steps after that? Well, seeing that we were starting at literally ground zero in HR, <laughs> uh, you know, the first thing he said was, hey, look, do you realize your attrition is out of control? And the, I looked at him and I said, what's attrition? This is five years ago. So, again, that tells you from an industry perspective, nobody's talking about right. attrition. Um, and at that time, point in time, I don't think attrition was a huge problem for the industry, but it was for us and, and several others in our industry, I think, is a lot higher than what a lot of other manufacturing industries are. Um, but, you know, attrition was a, a big one. Uh, so the strategy around hey, look, you know, that's costing the business a lot of money. It's costing the business a lot of resources and time and energy wasted on just, you know, bringing people in only to watch them leave in, in a short period of time. And getting caught up in that motion of bringing people in, training them, and then they're leaving, and then you're hiring again. It's a, it's a tedious process. It requires a lot of time and energy on multiple uh, leaders' part in the manufacturing organization. So the first idea he brought was, hey, look, let's figure out why it's happening and slow it down. If we slow it down, you know, not only will we get more quality, safety, and efficiency with people staying longer, but our, our team leads that are running the facilities will have a lot more time to focus on vision and strategy and execution as opposed to, you know, again, you know, just trying to bring people into the organization and get, get lines filled up with people to manufacture product. Can you give us an idea of what, what sort of numbers you were at in terms of attrition and where you've brought that through that more strategic thinking? Yeah. So, you know, in, it was in 2012 that, that he, he came on board, brought the idea to our, our leadership team, and, and we realized right at the time uh, our attrition was uh, running around 110%. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not not proud of that, but we didn't know where we were at. So the first, you know, the first item of business is always establishing where you're at, so you can identify what the next steps are to fix the problem. So we realized our attrition was 110 percent um, at the time. We had maybe three, excuse me, three thousand employees. So you know, we're we're cycling through four thousand or so people every year, uh, and you know, adding about a thousand, twelve hundred people a year to our our staff. So that number was only going to get worse. Um, so, um, you know, we, uh, we, we were at 110% and, you know, we put a lot of strategies in place to, uh, improve attrition. And a lot of it was just a, a large focus on our people. Uh, it was developing core values and a culture that we could consistently talk about, realize that, uh, we weren't really communicating well with people. Uh, we thought we were, but, uh, people were leaving, leaving for a reason. We did surveys. We, we sat and got real serious about, you know, one-on-ones uh, -on -ones with our, our, our team members about you know, what they like, what they don't like about the company. And then we addressed all those things. And over the course of five years, we, we gradually moved our attrition from 110% uh, down to uh, about 38% last year. And we're on track to, you know, hopefully be below 30% this year. Wow. Congratulations. That's huge. That is huge. So, okay. So, um, Lipper Components is, is based out of Elkhart, Indiana. And if, if you're from our area, right, or drive anywhere, you see LCI signs everywhere and they all say, everyone matters here. What does that mean? Where did that come from? Tell us about this everyone matters campaign that, that his, came out of this discussion and emphasis on making sure we're keeping and taking care of our mm -hmm. people. Well, the, the, the realization truly started when uh, we realized uh, 
people were leaving our company because they just didn't feel like they were treated well. They didn't feel like it was a place they could stay at. They didn't feel that they were valued. Uh, they just didn't feel like it was a family here. And I think deep down, that's what everybody's wired and designed to feel like. I mean, we have families at home. Uh, it doesn't feel good at work to be uh, at work for 40, 50, 60 hours a week and for it to feel terrible or to feel opposite of what a family might feel like. So, you know, that was really, you know, uh, a big driver. Uh, you know, Bob Chapman did a, a TED Talk on uh, truly human leadership, about truly human leadership and what it means to be truly human in the workplace and treat people like people uh, and not like objects. Uh, you know, we, he, he talks about how, uh, you know, people work in the, people walk into the workplace and it's, there's a different set of rules. Uh, you know, people feel like they got to act different, talk different, behave differently, and and uh, then you know people the, the people start treating each other differently. And you know, we just kind of simplified it and take taken Bob's message and tried to uh, just do whatever it takes to be more like family. Which means we got to treat our people like family members, like you treat your own family. Um, so um, you know, Bob's message is one of caring. Uh, and every company in the world says they care about their team members, uh, but very few actually prove it out through consistent and intentional action every day. And uh, that's, that's really what we set out to do. To, to, to say that everyone matters in the business means that, you know, there can't be talk. It's got to be, you know, there can be talk, but there's got to be action that backs up the talk, and there can't be inconsistencies. Um, it doesn't mean that every, we're perfect and that we treat everybody perfectly every day, uh, but if we make a mistake, we got to go back and own it as a, as a management leadership team. Um, but, you know, Bob wrote a book called, uh, Bob Chapman wrote a book called Everybody Matters. And uh, uh, the book was about uh, his company where he made the same realization 15 years ago and uh, wrote a book about how they changed the culture around values and caring about people. And that's really, it, you know, to put it simply, that's what we've done. We've taken, you know, he's already got a, a good running example of how to do it and, and the results that have come out of it and how far he's run attrition down in his company as a result of people feeling like they're valued. Uh, his statistic that he throws around all the time is 88% of the people in the workforce feel like the company that they work for doesn't care about them and they don't feel valued. So that's really our mission is to, you know, be in that, you know, be in that uh, percentage of small companies that where the, where the team members truly feel that the company cares about them and, and takes care of them and is looking after their best interests, not their own, not management's, not the company's, but their best interests. And if that happens, then everything kind of take care, takes care of itself. Yeah, that's awesome, Jason. I mean, man, I think a lot of times in business, people think it's one or the other, right? You're either you're either crushing the numbers or you've got a great culture. And right. and the reality of it is we can have both. I, I think, you know, it would be interesting. What are your thoughts on, um, you know, when you were in really that emerging growth stage, taking on a ton new business, growing incredibly rapidly, what would you have advised yourself 20 years ago to think about as a leader, even in emerging growth, and how can you take care of your people at the same time? Yeah, um, I, I really don't think it's that hard. I think that, uh, again, I think the rules in business are are different than anywhere else. People think that, you know, like you said, you know, they, they focus on that, uh, they focus on that end result. You know, my, my profit's not where it needs to be, or my labor's not where it needs to be, or, or this or that number isn't right. And then they, they, they go right to the number and try to fix it as opposed to going to the, the, the root of the issue, which is, you know, uh, 
your people. How, how productive are they? How a, a part of the, how engaged are they in the business? Um, and even if your attrition's low, um, to me, you can have low attrition, but you can have people that are not engaged in the business. People might think it's a great place to work. They might think it's, you know, good people. It might be the best place they've ever worked, but they're not feeling motivated and passionate to come and give their full power to the business every single day. So, you know, outside of, you know, trying to drive a good place to work and for people to feel like they're cared about, we got to tap into how they, what they were designed for, what they were created for, their purpose, uh, their passions, and pull that out of them and plug them into the company where th their passions and their motivations and their, their drive in life is going to be aligned with a job that they're here 50 hours a week doing. So, you know, I tell myself that, hey, look, focus on that. You know, first of all, create an environment that people feel safe uh, and that people feel cared for and valued. Um, and uh, you're sensitive to uh, the fact that people have families and that, that there's that there's a life outside of work, um, and not to get caught up in just uh, you know growth and being number one. You can get there doing both. You just have to be aware of the other piece. Yeah, absolutely. We um, in our HR class we talk about Zappos and how um, there's a cool video out there on their CEO where he talks about you know it's not work life balance, it's mm -hmm. work life integration, mm -hmm. right? And it when is. we understand that, then it's not like oh I have to go to work and then you know now work's work obviously and, and there's a component of that. But I think you know you are living and breathing this work life integration, right? And mm -hmm. integrating the rules, quote yeah. unquote, of business and life. Right. And 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 Bob. You know, Bob has a lot of, uh, he's had a lot of, Bob Chapman's had a lot of great uh, thoughts for us. He's, he's come to our business a couple of times and, and uh, really wants people to realize what he's figured out. And he's 70 now. So he's, he, like me, he realized it later in, in life because uh, this stuff isn't obvious. Uh, we're, I think, you know, he preaches that we're, you know, we're, we're selfish creatures. You know, our, when we get out of, we go to college, we get out of college. Or we get into the workforce, it's me, me, me. It's what can I do for myself? How am I going to drive success for myself? Um, until you get out of that mindset and realize that everybody wins or loses together, mm -hmm. um, it's, really, it's, really tough. it's really tough to, to win. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's what it's about winning, right? That's what we're all after. <laughs> Whatever right. we're doing, whether it's sport or business or life mm -hmm. or relationships, I mean, we're trying to win. Mm -hmm. But how many times are what we're saying or what we're doing actually decreasing our probability of getting what it is that we say that we want? Right. You know. So so that is fascinating. Um, so what's your dream, Jason? What's your dream or vision for your organization? Well, I you know I feel like every five years or so, I get closer to, to figuring it out. And um, today, you know, it's, it's a, we've, we've embarked on this uh, 100,000 hours uh, community service initiative where we've, you know, for years, we, there's a, a bunch of us in the company that, that try to lead by example, serve our community, uh, be out there and, and let the community know that LCI, people in LCI care to lift some of these charitable organizations up and, and participate the best we can. We've, we've donated money. Um, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago our team came up with an idea to say, hey, look, we're, we're all trying to, you know, get people to follow. Let's just uh, not make service mandatory for our, our team members in our company, but let's invite them, do a, a more intentional job of inviting them in on service in, initiatives and, and create initiatives by division. We've got 65 facilities, and we said, man, if we could get all 65 facilities coordinating two or three events a year on their own and then 
do a, a you know the divisions at a local level they can all do a better job of pulling people into those service service opportunities uh, so so we embarked on that journey last year and we we uh, we uh, derived a way to, to track hours by division by people or by by a team member and and we we hit the hundred thousand hours and wow. you know um, that was great and we all were happy about it and we want to do better this year uh, in 18 but what we really realize is that the the real needle mover is teaching other businesses and organizations around the community to do the same thing if we can get 20 50 or 100 businesses setting their own goals and and doing what we did pull their don't just lead by example in a few areas, pull everybody into it. Uh, a lot of things happen. You get, you know, you get almost more retention out of the shoot because people say, hey, my company's doing this. I, I, I now feel that my company and I have a, a deeper purpose that's aligned. Nobody ever feels bad about going out and serving. So all the people that came last year and served on, on the different serving opportunities on our team, many of them had never served before. And I, I can't tell you the response we got uh, from our team members about how it made them feel. Uh, they brought their families along. Hey, you know, it, it changed my life. I, I've never served before. I feel like it changed me as much as it, it did me helping uh, the people that were, we were out there serving. Uh, it brought their kids into it. I mean, if, wow. if family members aren't, aren't doing it in some cases until they're in their 20s and 30s, uh, how much more life-changing is it for them to watch their kids do it at a, at a, at a young age? Um, and start their life out thinking in that mindset. So, you know, it's, it's created a retention opportunity. We, we're serving our community, and now we feel like we can really bring, uh, we've got a roadmap and, and the materials to be able to show other companies how to do, do that at their own pace and their own level. Mm -hmm. And we just, I think, as a, as a community and as a country, we just need to start doing those types of things. And we're willing to lay the roadmap out there and help other companies do it. So that that's a part of the dream is... is uh, doing more of that and you know, we're a year in so okay. you know I'm anxious to see what the next five or ten years bring because it's going to be a process but we've got a lot of response and a lot of interested companies already that are interested in starting that journey and then the other piece of you know my dream would be just uh, uh, you know we still have 30% attrition mm -hmm. so we still have 30% of our team members leaving us every year so 3,000 4,000 people leaving uh, out of 11 um, they're leaving for, you know, generally because they, they, they don't feel valued. They haven't found their place. We haven't done a good enough job uh, uh, getting the hook in and, and making them feel a part of the family. So we need to do a better job there. And I am confident that we'll do that over time. Uh, but that's going to largely happen through leadership, through coaching more leaders and helping people build that bridge from, you know, what does a supervisor look like that, you know, we, you know to, to what a leader looks like. Um, and, and just you know, that revolves around treating people better, being a being a servant leader, great communication, uh, uh, being courageous in conversation, and, and having those types of conversations that a lot of people, you know, in leadership positions are just afraid to have and don't have. But if they had them, they drive so much more results out of the individual and grow them in their own leadership journeys if they if they were to step into people's lives more. So that's those are kind of my my dreams. That's, I love that phrase, step into people's lives, you know, and I think how often we're conditioned outside of our families, right, to not get too close mm -hmm. and and to not deal with, quote unquote, the, the realities of living that, right. that happen in everybody's world. And so that's a powerful statement, step into people's lives. It's it's uh, it's probably been one of the biggest epiphanies uh, in leadership our, our, our team has had is that, you know, again, we go back to those rules that exist outside of 
you know, our normal social lives inside a business where, you know, many businesses say, hey, leave your personal garbage at the door. We don't want to deal with that. You, you're here, get the job done. Uh, you can go home and deal with what you need to deal with. Then. That's how, you know, that might not be what a lot of people say, but that's the body language, that's the action. Uh, I know companies that have said that before. I've had team members uh, all over the company sit in a room and nod and say they've had their last company or a company in their past say that to them, uh, you know, uh, actually come out of their mouth. So, But, you know, the reality is, is you can't separate people's personal lives from their from their work life. Yeah. You can't separate it. So you have to be open and willing to deal with whatever's going on in that individual's life. And the fact of the matter is everybody deals with personal problems. Everybody has issues going on in their life. And if you don't now, you will tomorrow or you will someday. And if we're not prepared and preparing leaders to deal with people's personal issues, leadership gets a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that absolutely. You know, you said something earlier, too, um, just about your dream and your vision, right, of inspiring other companies and uh, to, to do this community service thing. And, and you use the word intentional, right? I think a lot of times people and, and leaders, I hear it with, with our players all the time, you know, like, oh, I lead by example. That's my leadership style, mm-hmm. you know. And, it, you know, an example is awesome. You do mm-hmm. need to set a great example. Yeah. However, <laughs> right, being intentional with putting systems and processes in mm-hmm. place that facilitate the things that we know drive human performance, mm-hmm. right, at the individual level and at the business level is important. And that's not selfish to do mm-hmm. from a company level. You know, it'd be it's, it'd be funny for, I think people would say like, oh, well, that's selfish if they're implementing community service hours to drive their attrition rates. You're like, it's community service, people. Get over <laughs> yourselves, right? That's right. You know, everybody wants to be so sensitive about things that, that companies, I think, institute. But to your point, I mean, that's how change happens. And, and the change in our country that you mentioned around genuinely caring for each other and the c- catastrophes that we're seeing at every level of our society, you know, happen for a reason. Behavior happens for a reason. Right. And, you know, we heard Bob Chapman speak at that Lead USA event last year, and he said that, you know, that a person's boss has a bigger impact on their mental and physical health than their actual physician mm-hmm. does. Yeah. And so if people are spending a majority of their time at work or at school, right? then what is that experience like? And how yeah. is that shaping the way they think and function and therefore behave? That's what really set it off for me with, with Chapman was when he talked about how we treat people in the workplace and how we send them home. Um, that's the different difference maker and whether we have a good world or, or not a good world to live in. Uh, and, you know, it was just, it, that was, that hit me like a ton of bricks. That was uh, eye-opening and it was eye-opening for our team when we really, you know, dug into that. If we send people home happy, uh, like Bob talks about, you know, we care for them, we value them, we 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 honor their their opinions and their perspectives, and and you know, we expect results. But at the same time, you know, we're going to do it in a respectful manner and care about them while they're here and make it feel like family. They go home in a better light. They treat their spouse and their their kids better, uh, or their people they're around, and that just has a, a ripple effect in a positive way. However, if we send them home, like most companies, 88% of the people out there don't feel valued or cared for by the company they work for. If we send them home in a negative light, that has a negative ripple on on families and, and, and people that they're around. So, you know, the, the, you're, you're exactly right. The, the reason we have 
uh, a lot of problems in this in this world in this country, and we scratch our head at what's going on. You know, Bob, I there's a lot of people that feel that you know businesses drive you know business culture drive that behavior, and we can cha we can change that if we want to. And it's you know we we're living proof that it's not that hard. You just have to change your focus a little bit. And guess what? Uh, all the all the results that you really care about, or that Wall Street cares about, or the investors or the boards care about, it's all going to be positively impacted. Yeah, that God, that is powerful because again, you are publicly traded. You're yeah. you're at the mercy of Wall Street and and people wanting to see results, quote unquote. But again, what's the leading indicators on all these lagging indicators that we're measuring by? by uh, of the numbers right yeah. it's the people that's that right. drive those numbers that's and right. and that's 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 powerful thank you for sharing that that's yeah. so good and that sort of that and that's empowering your people right i mean mm -hmm. empower is to to give people internal power control to make decisions and to have influence and so how does that manifest for you guys on a day-to-day -day basis in a manufacturing environment giving your people a sense of control in some capacities over their work what does that look like for you guys well it's it's been it's been a fairly easy process because you know companies typically you know they control so much of what goes on there's very little room for people to uh, these days to you know, put their two cents in. So what we've really focused on is, hey, look, you know, um, you know, the, the two areas we can change significantly are are the culture, the way that you know, the way our company looks and feels to people that walk in the building, and you know how we lead. Um, those, so those are the two areas we can have an immense amount of, of of change around and give our our people and our team members input on on uh, how how they lead other people. Uh, and how they create a better culture for people to want to want to be around for the long term, and uh, you know we've given we've given our team members and, and, and group leaders around the, the business a significant amount of uh, creativity input on on how LCI looks and feels. And all I've told them is you know hey look if if it looks and feels anything like wherever else you've worked then we're not doing a good enough job. So, you know, we've got some crazy things out there. I walked into a, a, one of our divisions the other day, and, uh, you know, everybody's got an employee of the month, you know, plaque on their wall when you walk in a lobby. And, you know, that was one of the first things I encouraged them to do was just tear those down and figure out other ways to celebrate, you know, and, uh, people for the good things that they do around our business. Because people have been do, doing employee of the months and employee of the month plaques and wall placards for a hundred years, right? So, <laughs> so true. Oh so, my God. so, you know, so why, why are we doing all the, if we're doing something the same as every other business, we ought to be reevaluating. I walked into a plant the other day and there was a, a big neon sign with an arrow, uh, in this, uh, uh, office environment that we had with about a hundred people there. And, you know, it was a neon sign with a person's name on it, bright lights flashing, and it was pointing down to a person's uh, work area, workspace. And uh, I said, what is that? They said, that's our team member of the month appreciation <laughs> award. So, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, and we've, you know, a lot of plants are doing other creative things. Uh, I saw one of our plants did a video the other day where they literally, uh, had all of their team members, they created a video and had all their team members dance to it. Uh, and everybody was smiling and having a good time. Uh, we've got, uh, plants that take on, uh, kind of awards. So they call it, a. 
uh, kind of a high five award or a, a, you know they celebrate somebody on the spot. So it's not a manager, it's not a, a leader in the organization giving you know a recognition out. It's anybody in the facility that sees somebody doing something good. You know they hand them hand them an award and they can they can collect those and their tokens and they can collect them and turn them in for LCI apparel or or other things. Um, so we're just encouraging them to get creative. And all of a sudden, when somebody puts their idea on the table and it gets accepted, they say, "Hey, look, I did that." They 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 listen to me, and uh, they watch all the other people that get benefited out of uh, uh, something that they might put in place like that. And it just starts changing the way people think about their company and the environment and they buy in they they're more excited to come to work and that's what we want yeah that that's awesome i heard a phrase one time i think by blanchard where he said praise to humans is like water to a flower mm-hmm. you know right. and if somebody else is getting watered all the time now all of a sudden everybody's like well i want some of that that's you right. know and right. so and that just generates that and the other thing i love about that too is that you know the human brain is is wired one to connect with other people that's right. right and oftentimes in work we separate that because we got to get our jobs done um, and two it's wired for creativity but so often you know once you hit high school even even. It's like, all right, put the crayons away right. and let's be serious right. and focus. But, you know, these create, it stimulates something in us as human beings to, to function on a different level. The other thing that made me think about that, um, that, that came to mind there is just the impact of, on technology, on everything that we do, you know, and per- particularly in manufacturing. I worked in manufacturing right out of undergrad. And, you know, I worked in this one plant out in Eastern Carolina, and I was talking to one of our tool makers one day, you know, and, and he just made the comment, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for 46 years. Um, but now, basically, I just sit here and press buttons on this machine, and it does it for me. So I've sort of, you know, it's not really a craft anymore. But, right. you know, and just the sense of lack of ownership, right. you know, that comes with that. And so how can we, like, I love what you said about the two things we can impact, right? Culture and how we lead. Mm-hmm. And so we might not be able to now hand make the, the tools and, and the dyes that we, that we use for right. that. We might use technology to help drive efficiency and all of those elements, but we still have to give people a craft right and an ownership of what it is they're doing and and so i I love that because that's painful yeah and so so on the leadership side of it we've got you know people you know just starting to discover what leadership means you know um and how they can have impact on the people's lives that you know to, to the to what we've been talking about, about caring about people and building people up and helping helping grow them in their own space, help them discover what they were designed to do and and move them around in their areas or maybe even out of the out of, into a different area of the plan or a different plant or a different job. You know, that's that's you know, these group leaders that have never done that before, they're discovering, hey, I can have impact on somebody's life. And uh, that's what's helping helping drive uh, that too, because they can be creative in that, and, and we're giving them, like I said, we're giving them, you know, leadership counsel and coaching, so that they understand what it means, and so that they can carry that on and be better leaders for the, you know, five or ten or fifteen people they might be uh, responsible for every day. And they're they're realizing that, you know, leadership's a privilege. Leadership is a responsibility. It's not about just barking orders and and trying to get a production certain production run out. It's about uh, how, what kind of impact they have on people's lives and how instrumental are they in in uh, keeping their team together and keeping it growing. And you know that's. That's something that I think a lot of, you know, uh, plant level leaders uh, around the, the country they're not used to they're not used to doing, and that gives them a whole new 
set of tools and an arsenal to to be able to go make impact and do things, which again satisfies your soul. I think to be able to you know help other people. That's a beautiful way to sort of wrap this up, right? Empowerment is about giving people the tools and resources that satisfy their soul, yeah. and we can do that in business. God, that's awesome. Thank you, Jason. So towards the end of every interview with our guests, we, we ask them two final questions. So, you know, the, um, our, our philosophy is that you have to first lead in before you can really effectively lead out. And again, the title of this season is Lead to Win. Mm-hmm. And so what does the phrase lead to win mean to you in relation to leading yourself? Right. So, you know, winning to, to me today means, you know, we've got to satisfy the, the cultural you know, improvement, uh, drive in our business to get people feeling more valued in the business. So, you know, we're not winning unless we do that. We're not winning unless we, we get the results that we want. So, you know, the, 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 the winning is, is twofold. Uh, but to, to me, a hundred percent of that comes through how we lead. And again, leader, you know, our, our people are just discovering what leadership means. So we are in the early stages of that journey and we've got a, a lot to learn. Our people still struggle with, you know, how much more you have to communicate and encourage and inspire as a part of your leadership, uh, more so than just get it done. Yeah. So, um, so I don't think you can win without having phenomenal leaders. And again, that to me, the, the encouraging part about uh, what's yet to come for us and you know other other businesses is that it's a lifelong journey. Nobody, like I said, nobody ever you never get a certificate for finishing leadership. You're always learning and growing uh, at any age, and that's something we can continue to do to improve our business for the long haul. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So that sort of answers the second question, right? Of lead to win as relation to leading others. How do you lead to win in your own life? So, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of the leadership lessons and I, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from our, our coaches. Uh, I try to spend as much time and absorb as much as I, I can because, you know, my definition of leadership when we first started this journey was way different than what, you know, I come to find out leadership really means. And the great thing about leadership and the, the probably one of the things that I, it's, I go sit in front of two of our plants uh, every week and I listen to the frontline leaders that are you know, uh, we've got about 900 in the company that oversee the eight or 9,000 frontline workers we have in our business. So that's the most crucial part of teaching leadership and getting it to sink in is at that, that level of our business where it all happens. Um, you know, the thing that I've heard from those group leaders that's been most inspiring and is true in my own life is uh, they all tell me uh, the ones that have been touched by their leadership journey and growing a little bit and just starting to dip their toe in the water of what leadership is and the impact that it can have on people is that it transfers into their home life and their family life. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, men and women come up to me that work for us and say, uh, I am a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better wife. Um, and to me, that is, that's game changing. We talk about changing the world. Those are the kinds of things we need to do to change the world. It's, it's create better home lives and family lives. Uh, and, you know, we, we've proven that, you know, through growing in leadership and learning what that means, it doesn't matter whether you're at work, whether you're at home, it has the same application. That's awesome. And we've started, uh, you know, we've started, we're starting next year, we're starting a, a leadership academy because what we feel we're doing here is so transformational that uh, and we feel there's enough people out there that don't know about it that we're starting uh, a, a leadership academy next year uh, to help teach people what, what we're learning so it can 
maybe move faster through the system. That's incredible. I love that. Okay, so I said those were the last questions, but I have another question that sure. I think our listeners would value a lot from hearing. So um, my husband, Aaron, works in the RV industry a lot in that area, and it's a fickle industry at times. And so what what advice can you give our leaders in terms of caring about your people when business isn't booming? What is that? How do you how do you navigate those waters? Say that again. What advice can do you, can you give leaders that you know if business isn't booming and when yeah. business isn't great, right? A lot of times our our culture, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or the climate in our workplace goes up and down based on if things are good in business and mm-hmm. it's high. If things are bad in business, it's low. You know what's been your experience? I mean, you're you're in a a fluctuating industry. So how have you navigated the fluctuations of business while still caring for your people? Well, um, I tell you, in the last 10 years, we haven't had that issue. Um, but uh, I, I would tell you that the first thing I would say is that don't underestimate, you know, focusing on a, a leadership type initiative like this, caring for your people, improving the culture, that there's not tons of efficiencies buried underneath that, mm-hmm. th- that subject matter. Um, we've found that we've gotten way more efficient. Uh, Quality's improved, safety's improved, efficiency's improved. Uh, and we do have some business units that, 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 that aren't growing. So uh, in those businesses, that still holds, that, those business units, that still holds true. And I would awesome. just say, hey, look, you know, don't focus on, you know, just materials and, and laying off people when things aren't good. I mean, the one thing that Bob said in his book that really rung true and something that we're going to implement in the next, you know, even if it's a mild downturn, is uh, the, the, this prospect that he had, uh, this idea that he had when 08 came, uh, he just said, hey, look, we're all going to take more time off. You know, we're going to level load the, the compensation that goes out to all of our team members by everybody taking, taking team off. We're not going to lay off anybody. Wow. So, awesome. uh, so, but, so you can't tell your people that you care about them and then go and lay hundreds of people off uh, in, a, in, a, in a downturn. It, right. you, your, your culture is going to change the instant you do that. So if you're going to commit to leadership, you're going to commit to culture and values, strong values. You know, you need to be sensitive about all those all those actions. And, you know, you can say, hey, it's just business, but uh, you're, you're impacting people's lives in a negative way. And they say, well, do they really care? Right. Right. Gosh, that's powerful. Thanks again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an awesome, awesome interview with Jason Lippert of Lippert Components. Um, Check out what they're doing. Um, Jason, what's your website for your company? Just so people can see. I mean, your website's even got a ton of great information on it that I think can be inspiring for people to see, you know, what does this look like from from that perspective? Yeah, our website is uh, LCI and the numeral one dot com. And then for the uh, service initiative, it's actsofservice.com. We developed a website so companies and charities alike can come in and and uh, find each other and and awesome. uh, find quick serving opportunities for you know organizations that want to get get involved quick. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us today on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This has been your host, Dr. Amber Selkie, and our guest, Jason Lippert. And we just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. Again, we are in season three entitled Lead to Win. And wow, what an incredible, incredible, incredible interview with Jason Lippert of Lippert Components. He shared so many valuable insights about his own philosophy as a leader and and the intentionality with which he is raising the bar and raising the level of leadership within his organization, empowering people at every level to deliver results in their organizations and in their communities and in their families. I just love this concept. Let's change the world, right? Let's change the world. And business is positioned to have the opportunity to do that. But it takes great leaders like you, like Jason, like myself, to be intentional about the systems we're putting in place and the empowerment that we are instilling within people at every single level to contribute to their business, to their families, and and to this world. So again, thank you for being with us. Um, please ch- please reach out. Check us out on our website, www.selkingperformance.com. Follow us on Twitter at Champ Mindsets. We're also on Instagram at Selking Performance, on Facebook at Selking Performance Group. And, and we would just love to interact with you. So please share your thoughts. Give us your feedback. Ask us the hard questions. Um, and if there's any way that I can be of value to you or your organization through speaking or training um, or even one-on-one performance coaching, we have a team of incredible performance coaches here at Selking Performance Group that are equipped to help you with your your team, your leaders, right? We've got a licensed sports psychologist on staff. We've got a we've got a nutritional coach on staff because nutrition is a huge component to living healthy productive lives. Um, we've got mental performance coaches. We've got two leadership and executive coaches and we want to come alongside of you, right? To step into your life as Jason said to to help unleash that performance excellence and and we're thrilled and excited to do so. So reach out to me, Amber at selkingperformance.com and via email there. And and we can get connected and and get rolling because time is ticking and, and it takes intentionality. So thank you so much for being with us here on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. From the locker room to the boardroom, I want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win. Brightview Medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building providing a one-stop patient-centered environment, which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brightview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. This episode was recorded and produced by TruthWork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. TruthWork Media, everyone has a story, yours needs a podcast.